Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 62 I never thought that I was going to get this high in terms of podcasts, in terms of just the amount of guests that it takes to get here. So I'm, I'm actually really excited about this because as we're kind of gaining momentum with the podcast and getting more guests, um, I'm actually being able to network with the guests that I originally talked to and just hear their recommendations on the people that they think would be a good fit for the podcast uh, that kind of align with what we're trying to do with the Young Businessmen of Tulsa but also what we're trying to accomplish with the podcast. And uh, today's guest, uh, I'm really excited to talk to you because if there was a guest that I was more closely aligned with based on some of the things that they're trying to accomplish and what we're, what we're trying to accomplish here on the podcast, I think this is the guy. So I'm really excited to introduce to you Paul Son. He's an award-winning blogger, speaker, and author. His vision is to empower leaders to rise to the top of every sphere of influence. Paul worked at both a Fortune 50 company and a great place to work company. He now works as a leadership transformation consultant at Giant Worldwide. He has been ranked as the number 15 of world's top 50 leadership bloggers to follow. Christianity Today magazine named Paul as one of the top 33 under 33 Christian millennials to watch. So Paul, I know that was a brief introduction, but uh, do me a favor, say hello to the audience and kind of fill in some of those gaps. Tell them a little bit more about yourself so they can have a better understanding of who you are. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Evan. Um, my name is Paul Son, and I'm a five-generation Korean Canadian American. So, wow. yeah, I mean, I grew up a lot in different countries, and um, you know, it was very tough growing up, changing pretty much every other year, going to a new city, a new country. But um, really grateful for that opportunity. One of the things that I guess not on the resume. A little bit more interesting things about me is I'm currently based in San Diego. Um, passion and a vision for emerging adults, people who are between 18 to 31, and people who are really trying to figure out their sense of calling and their identity. I think everything really goes back to two of those fundamental questions, which is why am I here? And, you know, part of my story is really trying to figure out that question of, you know, why am I here in this world, right? Um, it's kind of a very philosophical, a deep question. But I think for me, that came up when I hit my quarter life crisis in my mid-20s when I was working for um, a Fortune 50 company, which was really my dream job, but feeling very much disillusioned by that entire experience which really brought up the question of, you know, what is my calling and purpose in life? So now I get to coach, you know, really equip and inspire 20-somethings to really discover what their calling and identity is. And I'm really grateful that I get to do that full-time. 
I like how you called it a quarter life crisis. I'm assuming that we're we're putting like age 50 at that midlife crisis, right? So the quarter life would be age 25, which is actually, and, and that's why I wanted to have you here on the podcast. That is the target audience that we're talking to. Somebody who's just out of college, starting themselves in a leadership role, maybe just getting married, but they're really finding themselves at a point where they have to start making some adult decisions. They need to, they're not in a, in a role where it's like, okay, I know I need to do this next. I know I need to do this next. They've kind of checked all the boxes per se in terms of education and preparing themselves to be a real adult, but then it kind of gets a little gray. And I think that that's kind of that, uh, that, that quarter life crisis that you talked about when it's like, okay, I have to be an adult now. I'm, I'm actually buying toilet paper for myself and I never thought that you had to actually pay for it. I just assumed it was always there. Um, and, and I think that's when, when people are really starting to, to realize the, the importance of it. And so that's why I'm saying when we're, when we're very closely aligned in what we're trying to accomplish here and what you're trying to accomplish, I think it makes a lot of sense. So I'm really excited to get into that. You actually have a book called Quarter Life Calling, I believe. And uh, we were talking a little bit in the pre-show about some of the exercises that you do to help you identify what that calling is, right? Can you talk a little bit about the book and, and what those are? Sure. Well, the book's called Quarter Life Calling. I just made up the word actually because I believe that in your quarter life crisis, it's an opportunity to really discover your calling in life. So um, many people say, hey, you know, if your 30 is a new 20 and your 20s is just a throwaway deca- decade, but I really believe that your 20s can be a time to really discover yourself, explore and understand, you know, what is my design? And in my book, Quarter Life Calling, I talk about what I call your vocational sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea, if there's four circles, like a Venn diagram that overlaps and there's a sweet spot, what are the four elements? Wiring your personality. Another part of it is understanding your giftings, right? Everybody has specific talents. Mm-hmm. And also it's discovering your, your desires and passions that you have. And lastly is looking at your life experiences because your life is actually a story. And if you actually go and do a deep dive into those four different elements, and if you're able to find out at the intersection, if there is a career where I can leverage all of those four elements, I think that's a place where you're going to really find your um, calling and really be at a sweet spot, perfect job career fit. Um, which, which is something that's going to take probably a lifetime. You know, it's not something you're going to discover in your 20s, but you can actually be intentional about it and really pursue it. Yeah, for me, I almost would make the argument that you kind of need to figure that a little bit closer to before, like if you're going to college and you're going to spend the money on a degree, it might make sense to identify a job that fits your personality, fits your giftings, fits, fits, uh, fits your passions and everything else. Uh, but I, I love how you're putting an emphasis on it, uh, especially still at that younger age, because I think what happens in, in some of the things that we talked about in previous podcasts is you, you find yourself in this job that you think that you're good at, you're, or you find yourself in this uh, goal that you've been working towards, and you achieve it. And and when you're young and you have all the time in the world, it's it in my opinion a little bit easier to achieve some of that stuff because time's on your side, energy's on your side. You have all these different things, and then you start getting to that point where you realize you know, I'm just absolutely drained here or I'm, I'm not as happy as I thought I was going to be as I'm pursuing this. And I think that's where the importance of figuring out that part of that, whether, whether it be your one degree or your quarter life calling, finding out what that is, because that's going to help 
help you when you get into your 30s and 40s when time and energy are not as available to you as they were in your 20s, you can still do a lot of stuff in those age groups. You just have less resources uh, available to you to do that. So it's better to find it early. It's better to find that, that part that really brings that life to you early because it's going to help you that much more further on down the line. You're building that found foundation for later years in life. Absolutely. I truly believe that. I think, you know, if you want to finish well, um, it's, it's probably better to start well. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where I are trying to focus on is helping people. Like you said, um, you know, adulting one-on-one, like a lot of people, trying to figure out, you know, how do I do all these different things? But it's also a time of exploration, experimentation, and really asking yourself some of the hard questions of why am I doing what am I doing? And if there was mm-hmm. maybe a somebody, a guide, or, or I call them a Sherpa to really guide you through that process, wouldn't that be a lot easier? And that's really what, we, what I'm trying to do with, with, you know, my organization and with the 20-somethings out there. That's awesome. Well, I, we've talked a lot about you know your giftings and talents in some previous podcasts, and we've talked about we talk a lot about purpose and passion. So I love how you're highlighting those things. But one of the things we haven't talked a lot about is the importance of your life story. And for for me, I guess everybody comes from a different viewpoint. They come from a different background. They come from all these different unique things that make them who they are. And I love how you've really pinpoint, uh, pinpointed the importance of life story when it comes to calculating what your true calling is in life. If you don't mind, talk a little bit about that. Let's dive a little bit deeper into that one because I'm really interested to see the correlation of your life story to your passions to everything else. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I believe that your past often holds the key to unlock your future. Mm-hmm. Um, things that happen in your past happen for a reason. Um, sometimes it's hard for us to actually acknowledge that because it's not always good and always beautiful. There are times in our lives where there's a lot of pain, mm-hmm. there's a lot of hurt. Um, but why did it happen? I believe that it, there's nothing such as a coincidence. I actually believe in what I call a God incidence. You know, I believe that God has created me and he has, um, you know, shaped everything for a specific reason or purpose. So, for me to actually take a step back in this world where I'm so busy, I'm going 100 miles per hour. You know, all you know, all of us we're so busy trying to make it in life to be successful. But what? Why don't we actually take a step back and actually see our life as a 30,000 feet level and talk about what what happened in my life? Why did I go through this? What did I learn from that experience? You know, who are the people that actually shaped me? What are my core values? So um, I, t- I take people through a process called, uh, you know, finding your personal timeline, developing a personal timeline. Some people call it a, a life map exercise, but pretty much it's the same idea where you t- spend intentional time going through your defining moments, going through your turning points, identifying themes that come out of that, identifying key lessons discovering maybe some of your core values that you've learned throughout your life. And it's just a really powerful process that I highly recommend for people who, who are just trying to figure out your life and your, your calling. If you're stuck, the best hint out there is your life. It's your experiences. And I can just share from my experience, you know, for me growing up, I told you I'm a 1.5 generation Korean Canadian American. 
you know, it's kind of cool to say that now, but, you know, growing up, it was really hard because I was born in Korea, but I moved to the States. I was three years old and I didn't speak any language. At the age of nine, I came back to Korea. By that time, I was speaking English fluently, but then I didn't speak any Korean again. And then, you know, when I was 14 years old, I moved to Canada by myself, you know, when my family is all in, in Korea. And I moved away so much and I hated that. Why did I move so much? And, uh, you know, at that time, we didn't have any social media. So I didn't have friends. And I, I would, if I say farewell to them, probably see them, never see them in my entire life. But in hindsight, as I was going through this process of discovering your personal timeline, I realized that this, 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 this mobility and this, this time of moving actually helped me to become a lot more curious about people, helped me to really um, want to learn about the culture. And I've just been exposed so much at an early age that I think my cultural intelligence, emotional intelligence have been... Uh, significantly impacted and it's just shaped my worldview on a very different level so um, based on that I think part, part maybe in the future how the type of impact and type of um, influence will I have will not really just restrict in a specific country and a culture I think it's gonna actually expand into different culture and have more of a global type of a engagement interaction with people so it's just kind of that type of uh, experience and examples that i can share but it's a powerful exercise yeah i uh i was thinking about when you're when you're talking about that just the amount of moving that you had to do and especially not just making new friends but learning new languages and and new cultures that's a lot <laughs> especially for like a 14 year old moving to canada to to really take on and I'm sure at the time you you were in this situation where you were really frustrated. You were really uncomfortable and you're just saying, you know, man, why can't I just have a normal life like somebody else? Can I you know, stay in one spot, grow up with my friends and and work my way from there? And and I love how you're able to look back at it and say, you know what, because of that, I have X, Y, and Z as strengths now. I'm probably more prone to be being outgoing, and I don't mind change as much because I'm so accustomed to change that change essentially is something that will always happen to me, and I've, I've come to, or at least had the time to learn to come to terms with it. So I, I think it's interesting because as we were talking about this, and, and I was trying to think of some questions to ask you, one of the things that I was really looking at is, is saying, you have a unique set of circumstances. You have this life story that we're talking about, but it feels like there's really two reactions to your life story. The, the first reaction is to look back at it and say, when I, I have all these experiences and because of these experiences, I think I can be successful because, of the, because I've been able to overcome this. I think the other side of that is looking at your life story and going, well, I, my family's always been poor. I've always been poor. Um, I'm, I, I was never able to overcome this. I was never able to do this or, or, or looking at all either your failures or, or the things that have come along in life that have just beat the crap out of you. And you, mm -hmm. and you look at those things and you say, I can't do that because my life story is a history of these things. So what would you say to somebody who's looking at probably the same life story as either motivation to move them forward of like, I'm, I'm not going to be this anymore, or because of this, I can be that, or the opposite side of it of, 
I don't think that my life story uh, has put me in a position to be successful at all because I have a history of not being able to accomplish things. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, what I say to that is, yes, um, you know, life, as I said, is not always so easy and it's not always so positive. There's also the difficulties, challenges, adversities that people go through that. But here's the thing. I want to remind people that, yes, your, your past, you are shaped by your past, but you don't have to be a prisoner of your past. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't have to be defined by your past. That doesn't make you who you are. Of course, you're shaped by that, but let that seed you know, go into your mind, infiltrate into your mind and say, you know, for me, I can just think about an example when I was, as I told you, was moving along a lot of times. And in Korea, when I was 10 years old, I didn't speak any Korean at all, where my teacher was asking me to stand up in front of the entire class and read this paragraph in Korean out loud. And I was just horrified because I picture it. <laughs> and it, and I, 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 real, I remember all my friends were laughing at me. They're like, wow, you're just like, you can't speak Korean. And there's, just, you know, being, there are being kids, you know? And, but for yeah. me, it wasn't just a one-time thing. It just happened for an entire year. And I felt completely embarrassed, ashamed of myself. And actually, for a long time, I said, I'm never going to do public speaking. I'm never going to be a good public speaker. Um, I hate public speaking. I'm, I, and I always thought, you know, what would people think of me if I say this? <laughs> but here now, to, you know, after 20 years later, actually is public speaking. Mm-hmm. And part of the process for me had to be like, hey, I bought into this, what I call your lie identity instead of your identity. Your lie identity is the lies of your identity, a limiting belief that you're telling yourself that I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, a good speaker. And I just, it's my weakness. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's not. Um, it, was a, it was a lie that I believed in. So for anybody out there who, who had a very difficult childhood, yes, I'm not here to say, you know, that didn't happen at all. I just forget about it. But that's not really just who you are. There's other things about that define you or who you are. And, and I believe that if we have that mindset, going from a victim mindset to taking a more of a responsible mindset, that really will have a huge difference in your life. I love the, I love the terminology identity because it's, it's, a tr- it, it's true in the sense of you, you have been fed these lies and maybe by yourself that you are these certain set of things. And so you have to almost reprogram your mindset and reprogram your identity to what you actually believe it is. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you take, first of all, identify that whether or not it's a lie. And second of all, how do you, how do you reposition or, uh, or change your mindset so that you're not believing that lie identity and you're actually embracing what you believe you should be. Sorry, I'm getting really deep on you now. <laughs> oh, great. Um, I think, you know, a big part of that is knowing, um, I, I really identifying some limiting beliefs that you really have bought into. So asking yourself, when I define myself, if I fill in the blank, I am blank, what would you say? You know, and people might say, I'm, I am, 
you know, I'm good, not good enough, or I am, uh, you know, I'm not smart enough, or I am, um, you know, just not good looking, you know, all these words that people might come up, that will be a good hint that you will, you will know. And I would just say, hey, suspend five, 10 minutes going through that exercise and really um, all the things that you tell about yourself. And then I, I say, hey, um, closest friends, your, your family or friends or an essay, show them this list and tell them like, well, do you agree with this list that I wrote down? Because many of them would be like, what? I never, I never saw that in you or, you know, that, that's, that's so not you. And it's just that sometimes we are in, in our head so much and we never really get to see us from a very objective way. Um, so getting that outside perspective from people in your inner circle, I think, makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, I actually have a story that I've shared in some previous podcasts, so I, I apologize to the listeners that hears me keep bringing this up. But uh, I, I was in one of those situations where, for me, I didn't like I didn't like speaking out, not not, not necessarily public speaking, but uh, adding my opinion or adding my thoughts, because I didn't believe that the things that I had to say were things that people needed to hear. I, f- I felt like they should already, they should already know this, right? Or they should already, uh, they're probably in this position because they already think this way. And I was in a situation where somebody, I was in a meeting and somebody said, Hey, I want to know what you think. And so I told them what I thought and they were, they were blown away. They, they were just like, man, you know what? You don't say much, but when you say something, it has a lot of weight to it and, and it's very well thought out. And he almost drew, he drew out of me something, a lie that I thought about myself. And it basically showed me in that conversation that it wasn't that I didn't have anything to say. I had a lot to say and I had a lot of valuable things to say, but I had lied to myself saying, I don't think that I need to share this because I, I'm assuming that people already knew it. And once that happened and once I realized that I did have things to say, that's what started on started me on the path to ultimately doing this podcast and doing more public speaking and being more actively engaged in the things that I do because that conversation right there showed me that a, a person that I've, I really, really respected and I thought was a very wise business uh, businessman, when he did that, it, it was almost like this 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 uh, tint or this hue of 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 how I s- saw things went away, and I was able to identify maybe I need to reanalyze what I believe about myself and what I believe about my identity. And I, I get at the time I didn't know about lie identity, but uh, really identify what were the things that I viewed of myself uh, that I needed to change a position on because other people saw that. So I love that exercise of writing these things down and finding that close friend to to talk to them about hey here's the thing here's the things that I'm, I'm telling myself do you think these things are true now whether or not you're good looking i feel like that's a perspective thing so i don't know that i can control as much of that maybe maybe cut my hair lose some weight and and uh and wear different clothes but other than that i feel like i'm kind of stuck with what i got but the other things like you know whether or not you're smart enough or you're uh athletic enough or you're um what what you you have enough leadership skills or you have enough experience what whatever those things may be if you really kind of shift your mindset and think that it's it is possible that you do know enough and i'm going to i'm going to drop a little secret here and you tell me if 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 i'm wrong here or if, if i'm not supposed to share this secret um with with audience this young and uh because they're supposed to figure it out on their own so we may have to edit this out if if I, what i'm telling you is too much information but <laughs> 
So I, I have a I have a theory here. And the theory is people believe, man, th- this guy is a genius or this guy would not be in this role if it had not been for extraordinary leadership or extraordinary education or whatever else. And then you get to know him and you find out that he's just like you. And the reason that he is in that position is he was willing to take the risk. He was willing to step up to the plate. And he had to come to terms with the fact that in order for him to or her to achieve what they were trying to achieve, they had to be okay with knowing that they didn't have the answer to it. But they were willing to put themselves in that position, suspend that, um, that, that thought process that I have to know how to get from point A to point B in order to be in this position and realize that I need to be willing to go from point A to point B if I'm in this position. And that's the difference. And like I said, if that's too much information, I don't want to blow my audience's mind, but I believe that that's something that if I'm a 20 something and I'm trying to figure, I'm not saying that the people out there are just full of it and and they shouldn't be in the roles that they're in. There's definitely a lot of experience there, but I, I think it's also naive to think that they have all the answers and they had all those answers when they were your age. They don't, they didn't, they're learning, but they're willing to put themselves out there to do it. Yeah, that's great. I think that's so true. Um, I think just putting yourself out there, not knowing to know what's going to happen uh, in your life in the next five years. Uh, it's important to have a vision, but mm-hmm. knowing that you know your your goals might change and where you end up will kind of you know pivot from time to time. Having a true north is important, but I think you know um, knowing that like oh, okay, I think I know I'm going to know exactly what I'm going to do five years from now and all of that. I think is a little bit too idealistic. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about the relation of your identity or your life story and the future. So um, I've heard the analogy that imagine your life like you're driving a car. The windshield is the future. The rearview mirror is your past. And I think it's important to remember where you came from, but also taking consideration the size of that rearview mirror in relation to your future. So what's what, what what's your thoughts on the balance of of that life story and your your history uh, in relation to moving forward? Is it something that you're always looking back and you're always referencing or is it, it just, it's a, it's a segment of what you do, but you're primarily looking forward. How, how would you, how would you define that relationship? Yeah, that's like, that's a great question. I think every person has a tendency to either focus on the past. They're always focusing mm-hmm. on the past and maybe the present, but they're not really focusing on the future. Now, there are those who are, are really, really, you know, strong and thinking about the next 15, 20 years in life, but they, they never think about what happened in the past. I think both are unhealthy, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to have a healthy balance of understanding the past and making sense of what happened and having an evaluated period, a period of like a postmortem, if you will, of, of different things that happen in your life and doing a lot of introspection around those things, I think actually gives you more self-awareness. However, if you constantly just alone, um, you know, that energy, you have to channel that out into the future. This is what I learned. This is what I experienced. How does that play into the, the vision that I have, the calling that I have? And what are some specific steps that I can take to go from point A to point B? I think a lot of times people um, who are more maybe futuristic have a great vision, but then 
people who are more practical and realistic may look at that and say, well, great, but then how, do you, how are you going to get there? Like, what are some mm-hmm. specific steps to get there? And, and, and doing both, I think, is, is really important. So um, that's why you need feedback, feedback from people who can speak into your life and say, hey, I think you're spending a little bit too much on the past and you're not really thinking about the future. And maybe you need some guidance, you know, some mentorship and coaching from people to help you um, just have that right perspective. So I think, you know, both I think is really important. Yeah, I love how you keep kind of circling back to having that core group of friends around you and 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 whether it be a, a mentor or a coach or or just somebody that you've you've done life with long enough that understands you as a person, your personality and can kind of help guide you a little bit. I think that role of mentorship is very important especially at that younger age because uh if you're just going to somebody who's your peer, I don't know that they're they're going to be able to give you some of that additional advice that you need uh, further, further along the way. Um, you know, your journey is, is one that uh, kind of stands out to me because uh, if I remember correctly, you were in that, that um, quarter life crisis uh, and you decided to leave your job kind of in the middle of your quarter life crisis. So uh, tell me a little bit about that. Was, was that something that you, you, uh, you were leaning on a mentor or a coach that was helping along the line? Or did you just jump without no net and, or with, with no net and decide that, hey, man, I'm just going to figure this out on the way down? Yeah, that's, that's a really important question because many people, when they hear my story, false um, conclusion and saying, Oh, job, so maybe I have to quit my job to find my calling. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I don't want to be stewed by you later on in life. I, just, I, I, that's not at all. I mean, for me, I realized that this was not something, the work that I was doing was not probably aligned with my vision about a year into my work, but it mm-hmm. took about four years for me to actually, make a decision and quit my job because I there's a two differences between especially this is for people in their 20s there's an alignment issue and there's an attitude issue is knowing that is my work aligned with my life vision is my my calling great then you got to figure out how to bring more alignment and that might mean quitting your job right mm-hmm. Well, in some ways, it doesn't have to be quitting your job. It could mean maybe doing a horizontal move in, within your organization as a different role. Now, there's the attitude issue. Now, the attitude issue, you know, you just graduated from college and you go into this job and you're like, hey, I want to I actually make some big changes. I want to I make some decisions. I want to manage your organization. But... You're not there yet. You're just an um, entry-level employee. You're, you're mm-hmm. probably going to work on filling the Excel spreadsheet and doing a lot of, you know, we, who, who likes that? You know, in millennials, we don't actually. <laughs> and, you know, I was there. But then you're like, oh, man, this, is, this work is really, um, it really sucks. And this is not what I signed up for. And so the expectation, what I call the expectation hangover, in life um, it is more of an attitude issue that, that needs to be shifted. So for me, I realized that I want to be at a place where I'm not just quitting my job because it's just boring and it's just like, God, 
Right? It's an attitude issue, but it's actually an alignment issue. And I realized that the more and more I found my calling through a mentor who actually really invested in my life by sharing books and really speaking into um, who I am, made me realize that, um, you know, raise up leaders and help them discover their calling and identity. Um, and for me, I, there was a limitation that I could do with my work. So I ended up quitting my job and I had a plan, which was to, you know, spend about a year because I was going through my master's program and I was starting to write my book. But um, yes, like I've thought about it many days. Like it, it was, it's not even funny. Like there were times where I really had to think about, okay, what, what am I going to do? Because literally the moment I quit my job, I, I couldn't live at, my, I live at my apartment. So I had to actually move it back with my parents. And that's a whole different dynamic that a lot of people in this age experience, which are important stuff to think about. So for me, um, all that was happening inside my mind. But I realized that this was the right move. And how, I, how did I realize that? Is because I realized that this life that I have, and if I'm going to steward this gift, I want to be the best. Um, I want to steward it well. And I realized that I only get to live this life once. I want to use every single part of my talent, maximize what I've been given. And um, that was a you know big and risky move I made, but you know it's been it's made all the difference in my life. Wow, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm gonna dig a little bit into that last statement if you don't mind, because I think that's a huge realization that I don't know that a lot of people really picked up on the gravity of, of that statement. So, um, for you to come to that realization that your life is a gift and that you're a steward of it, is also saying some other things too, which is that your success is not because of you, or your failure is not necessarily because of you. And it also has to do with that there's something greater that you're trying to accomplish for some other thing. So can you talk a little bit about how you came to that realization? Because this is something we've talked a little bit about in the podcast. And I want to, I want to make sure that we're on, we're on the same page here with what, with, with what you're alluding to. But it sounds to me like in terms of stewardship and, the, and, and your life being a gift and everything else, that you're saying it's, it, it, that your success or failure is not about you, it's about something else. Yeah. I think all my life, for most of my life, I believed that I was the captain of my ship. I was the master of my fate. Whatever I put my mind to, whatever I, I, I will, I can accomplish that, right? And I think that is really kind of the of the American dream. Mm -hmm. I bought into that for a very long time only to realize that when I did reach to that top of this ladder of success at a very young age, a six-figure salary in my mid-20s and all that, it was still empty. It was still, I was restless. I was, I was like, wow, really? Like, I was expecting something greater. It, it wasn't as fulfilling. And then, you know, through having these important conversations with my mentor, he helped me realize that, Paul, your life is a gift. This is not your life. Actually, it's been given by a, a, a giver. And I believe that's God who created me for a purpose. And, and then I have to realize that if I'm not the owner of my life, then I am a steward of my life. And as a steward, 
I realized that my talents were not mine to begin with. My passions, my personality, it's not mine to begin with. Specific purpose and a design. And I want to bet and say, I've done what I was supposed to do by my creator instead of saying that I want and do whatever with it. You know, that, that I feel like is such a big miss, such a big waste. And, um, you know, that, that's a huge kind of paradigm shift that I had in that process. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the relationship of that part, which I'm going to, I'm still going to classify as your identity um, and success. Because when we think about, when I thought about success, when I was in my twenties, it was, it was purely one thing. It was financial. My my view of success was if I make six figures or if I have a C in front of my name or, you know, uh, if I'm C level or whatever else, then, I, then I've achieved this level of success. And I think it sounds like you did that as well in your 20s. And that's where you saw, you saw that emptiness, that it was, it was something greater than, than just that. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the relationship of your identity to success, knowing that the gifts and the talents and the, the things that you're doing are more stewardship minded than they are personally minded. So how does success come into play with that previous statement that you just made? You know, I think more and more that I'm realizing that the more secure in who I am, the more I understand who I am and I'm confident in my design and myself. I start comparing myself to people. And um, success, I think, and it's defined by more power, more possessions, more popularity, more pleasure, greed at the essence of what it is. It's mm-hmm. really about more. I want more. I want more. So you're always constantly comparing yourself to somebody else. Probably intelligent guy, somebody more intelligent than you are. And you're yeah. going to always feel completely crappy to be quite honest because you're like man i'm not as good as this guy and i'm not the number one guy but what if however that this is my design and if you really understand your design then i know what my purpose is i know what my function is be the greatest version that you were created to be instead of trying to become somebody else that type of freedom, liberation, is so important, and it's just so life-giving uh, because that's really who you are. And when you live that life, you're gonna feel successful. You're gonna be successful, and um, the money and all that. But regardless, you're gonna you're gonna be like, wow, this is why I wake up every day. This is why I feel so alive. And I want every single person listening to really experience that. I love how you use the words feel alive. And that's, again, for for my listeners that listen to this a lot, I know I I always hone in on this, but I think if you know that you're truly aligned with your passion and your purpose and your design, like you said, when you are uh, invigorated by the things that you do, when you, when that, it it gives you, it doesn't drain you. It's something that you say to yourself, man, the day just flew by or um, I could, 
I, I didn't, I don't feel like I've worked a day in my life. I, I, I know people that take exception with that statement of like, if you really find what you love doing, then you've never worked a day in your life. And they're like, well, truly you are working. But I think that there's, they're picking apart the statement in terms of like a, a more legalistic view of it. And I think, I think what you really need to look for is what are the things that you're, you're passionate about? What are those things uh, that you're gifted at where your talents in line, uh, in, uh, in line with it? Is, does this thing match your personality? Um, how does your life story tie into that? I think all that stuff that you're talking about is great. And I think that really the final piece of that is if you're doing, if, if all those things are intersecting in that Venn diagram that you're talking about, I would venture to say that the people that are operating in the, the where all those things cross are the people that are, are really uh, invigorated by what, what that thing is that they're doing at that point, because that's the thing that is their purpose. That's the thing that is their passion. That's the thing that they were designed to be. And when you do that, it's everything just comes together. Everything's perfect, if you will. But I think that's where some of that true success that we're talking about is because it could be, like you said, that success may not be financial. Uh, that, that success could be just peace and happiness and uh, f- uh, f- that feeling of completion that you're accomplishing something, that you're making a difference. I think those things are just as valuable in, in when it comes to the relationship of success uh, as monetary value. Yeah, and I, I just, you know, my, one of my favorite quotes by Albert Einstein says, everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing it is stupid. The world might say, you need to make a lot of money. You need to own this type of car or house. You need to live this part of the town to be successful. But don't buy into that lie. You are who you are, and you were created for a purpose and a design, and be that design. And when you are that design, that will make you successful. Well, hopefully we're making some people's days today because I'm hoping that if they're hearing this and they're really connecting with uh, some of the things that that we're talking about, it's helping to guide them a little bit closer to, you know, figuring out what those next steps are. I don't think that we're all going to have all the answers here. My my goal is to shine a light on some of uh, the people that have found some of these things in terms of true success or or help uh, shine a light on some of the clues that success leaves behind. I think that if they're able to start putting some of these things together, reaching out to those mentors, being intentional with learning about what true success is in life, I think that's going to help guide them to, to really dial into uh, to what, what their purpose and what their design is. Um, I, I've been on some other podcasts, and uh, one of the, the, the podcasts that I was on, they have a little game that they call Finish This Sentence. And uh, as I was putting down some of the questions here, I don't know that it's going to be a true finish your sentence game uh, like Bo does on his podcast, but I, I do have a couple of sentences that I'd love uh, to get your thoughts on. Um, because I think that whenever we're kind of thinking about some of the things that we're talking about here, I think it's important to look a little bit deeper uh, into some of those statements. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement and I'd love for you to kind of finish the sentence part of it for me uh, because I think it's really important to kind of hit on some of these things. So the first one I have is if you base your identity on success or uh, comparing it to other people, you will what? If you base your identity on success, you will ultimately find it meaningless in your life. Uh-huh. And I think that 
from all the different things that we talked about here, I think it's it's more important to realize that uh, that's where that emptiness is. That that the pursuit of success is not necessarily the thing that you're looking for. I think there's other things that you were created to be and do, and success is what the I, the the worldview of it is, or the traditional view of it is, is that's what you need to pursue. If you achieve that, then you will have, then you will have that completion and and that uh, feeling of self-worth. But if you're basing it, your, your identity or basing your, your mood, if you will, on success, you're going to have that emptiness. Um, All right. One more for you. Uh, Instead, you should base your view of success on blank. You should base your view of success on uh, faithful stewardship, being a steward of your life, your talents, your your gifts. Um, Stewarding that, I I think, is the foundational piece. Um, And then, really, when you start thinking about success, what you're really looking for is significance, actually. Yeah. Going from moving from success to significance. I want to ask you a little bit of follow-up question on on stewardship because I'm always curious to hear people's take on this. Can, can you differentiate for me the difference between stewardship and apathy? Because I think in some cases, if you if if you get to the point of saying this life is not my own and I'm 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 stu- I'm doing I'm in this role to help direct something or whatever else, um, but uh, like I don't take the full responsibility for it. I think it's easy to slip a little bit into that apathy. Is like it doesn't matter what I say because I'm not the one truly making the decisions here. So how did you how do you differentiate those two things? Yeah, well, it's important to realize that um, you know if you look at the parable of the talents in the Bible, it talks about three servants. Um, the master gives one talent to the to the servant and uh, there's two talents to another servant and the last servant, he gives five talents. He comes back after a certain time and he uh, says, Hey, what, what have you done with my talent? I gave you to use that to really maximize that. You know, the five talent guys, like I made 10 talents. So, he, you know, hundred percent increase Another, the two talent and the four talents. The one guy ta- who had one talent, he just buried it and he didn't do anything. I said, he said, you know, um, I just wanted to bury it because I didn't want to risk or anything. Yeah. I just wanted to, you know, just make sure I don't lose money. And, you know, the master says, wow, what a, what a wicked servant, you know, and really criticizes him. And part of it is, yes, um, this, this idea of stewardship, you've been given a gift, but ultimately, you know, you've been given it for a reason. You, you haven't just given it and you're like, okay, it's not mine. Therefore, I can just whatever with it is like no you've been given it for a purpose and your your role is to maximize that and to grow that and to make that into you know twofold three four fivefold hundredfold and to to really be a good faithful steward of that i think that's key awesome well john i appreciate you taking the time to to speak to us and speak to the audience i usually i'd like to give our guests the last word just an opportunity to speak directly to the audience and i know you get a lot of opportunities to do that just in the role that you're in so as we kind of close this out what would you say that your message is to those young business leaders those people in uh their early 20s they're in that quarter life crisis what what are what are the things that you want them to walk away from uh from this podcast and from this conversation Someone told me that same question um, and said, hey, Paul, um, I want you to think about the clock and I want you to think about the compass. 
And he said, what does that, what, what does that mean? I'm like clock represents the daily to-do lists. It's the things that you need to do, the schedules, the commitments you have in life. Um, I'm like, great. Okay. And then <laughs> but also what you need to realize that you also think about, think about the compass and the compass is the why it's the vision it's the mission it's the core values it's the why of what you do most people in your 20s are focused on the speed of life they're like gosh i want to do faster i want to get things done i want to put things on my resume i want to get a job but there comes a point in our lives which many of them happens to be in their 40s and 50s and they take a step back and they're like man i have accomplished everything i wanted but why do I feel so empty? Why do I feel so meaningless? And that's when I realized they've been climbing the ladder of success, but only once they reached at the top, they realized the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. <laughs> <laughs> and my encouragement, my message to anybody listening is connect the compass to the clock. And when you connect the why to the what and the how, now you have alignment. Now you know why you do what you do. And that's going to pay off so much as you live your life. That is fantastic. I love that analogy. I'm going to uh, give you credit for it a couple times and then I'm going to officially steal it. But uh, that, that is a fantastic way to close it out. Uh, if you don't mind, how, how do people connect with you? How do they, uh, how do they find your book? Where, where are the best places for them to get that? You can find uh, my book, Quarter Life Calling, on Amazon or it's available any pretty much any uh, local bookstore as well. Um, love to connect with any of you. You can uh, reach me at either my website, paulsohn.org, or if you want to actually get more free resources, uh, blogs, and different content for specifically those in their 20s and early 30s, check out my company, Kara, Q-A-R-A.org, where they have a lot of other information on calling and purpose and vocation. Awesome. Well, Paul, thank you for taking the time to speak to our audience. Uh, we appreciate all this stuff. There's so much good stuff here. I hope this is something that my listeners uh, choose to tune into multiple times because uh, there's there's a lot of information in here, and we talked a lot about uh, a lot of different things. And I think it's important to really dig into that life story, realize that those things are the things that define you, but they're also that foundation uh, that you can build on. So, with that, remember choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.